Welcome to Device Week, the weekly podcast from EdTech Insight. I'm editor Reed Miller, and with me today are fellow editor Marianne Webb and our London-based reporter Barnaby Pickering. I'll start with Marianne. So Marianne, you just published the third part in your series on the future of surgery, which covers trendy topics such as the use of telehealth and virtual reality and augmented reality. And in your last part, you discuss robotics in depth. What are some of the big takeaways in terms of where we are today with robotic-assisted solutions and what the future will bring? Yes, Reed. So I would say the big takeaway, which is also the title of my story, is that robotic surgery holds great promise, but it's not quite there yet. So surgical robot pioneer Intuitive Surgical, of course, has had a long lead in this space with its Da Vinci robot. But the company is increasingly seeing competition, not just from small innovative companies, but also from some of the major medtech companies like Medtronic and Johnson & Johnson, which are also developing robots for soft tissue. And then, of course, you have the major orthopedics players, Stryker, which has the first to market advantage with its Mako platform, J&J DePuisson, this Valis, um, which is the new robot that was introduced just earlier this year, and Zimmer Biomet with its Rosa platform. Proponents of robotic-assisted surgery will tell you that they can narrow variability in a procedure, offer shorter recovery times for patients by having smaller incisions made during surgery, and achieve better outcomes. But when it comes to outcomes, many experts believe that the proof still needs to be shown. A recent review of 50 randomized control studies that assessed evidence and outcomes of robot-assisted surgeries compared with traditional methods for abdominal and pelvic procedures found that robotic surgery did offer benefits over traditional surgery, but did not have a big impact on outcomes. Well, that's interesting. You also talked to some smaller companies. Yes, so I spoke to the CEO of UK-based CMR Surgical, which markets the Valsius system for minimally invasive keyhole surgery. The company just recently raised $600 million in financing, and the CEO believes that its four-armed robotic platform with an integrated 3D control display designed to refine minimally invasive laparoscopic surgery will be very competitive. It's already marketed in various European countries and in other parts of the world, but has yet to receive FDA clearance. And I also spoke to the CEO of another company called RSIP Vision, and they develop artificial intelligence and innovative computer vision algorithms to provide real-time analysis of video that's taking during surgery. And I had an extensive interview with an orthopedic surgeon who is an expert in using robots, and he gave me his take on where we are today using robots and what the future brings. All right, so this is a big week for the orthopedic community with the annual American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery Conference kicking off on Tuesday, and it goes through the 4th of September. And the conference takes place here in San Diego, where I'm located, and I'm very excited to cover it. It's my first live conference uh, since 2019. It's a live event at the San Diego Convention Center, and yesterday I spoke with the outgoing AEOS president, Dr. Joseph Bosco, who emphasized that as physicians... He said that the event is held to a higher standard and was put together in consultation with experts to ensure the safety of attendees during this ongoing pandemic as well. We're certainly looking forward to your live coverage as you tweet at MedTech Marion and some stories from that meeting, which, like you said, is the first live meeting any of us have been to in a while. So now we'll switch to Barnaby, who is returning after a much-needed summer break. So, Barnaby, this week you're going to be publishing a number of infographic stories about important markets. Why don't you tell us about some 
some of those? Sure. So the first story I'd like to highlight is an infographic story about the new report by MedDevice Tracker titled Fracture Fixation Devices Market. So the fracture fixation devices market is a bread and butter part of MedTech. It's never going away because people carry on breaking their bones and demand for improved devices is ever increasing. Because of this, the global market is expected to grow from roughly 8 billion in 2020 to 9.2 billion by 2025. This works out to a compound annual growth rate of just about 2.8%, which is markedly lower than many other medtech sectors. This is because of a slightly tricky mix of market drivers and market limiters. So driving the market, you have an aging, growing population. More people that are on average older means that more bones get broken, especially when counting old age related fractures such as those to the hip. There have also been some positive changes to reimbursement. CMS payment changes in 2020 increased payments for fracture fixation services by approximately 6.3% relative to 2019, providing improved revenues to the device manufacturers. On the other hand, there are some limiters at play. Firstly, is simply market competition. The report highlights that there are well over 100 companies operating in the fracture fixation devices market and many more working in peripheral markets. This greatly segments the market, increasing price competition between manufacturers. The market is also segmented in terms of device type and thus procedure type. With so many products on the market, the number of procedures related to fracture fixation has exploded in recent years. Potentially as a response to this, 2021 changes by CMS removed 266 musculoskeletal services from the Medicare inpatient only list and assigned them ambulatory payment classifications. This lowered reimbursement rates for companies. Well, that sounds all very interesting. So what else have you got this week? Also this week is an interview piece about a discussion I had with two consultants at Simon, Kuka and Partners, Omar Ahmad and Jan Borden. The duo discussed changes to the dynamics of the medtech market after the COVID-19 pandemic and how it will shape the future of healthcare. In particular, we talked about the digitization of current offerings and how the current rush of digital health offerings may ultimately experience a slowdown once regulatory hurdles are realized. With sales forces trapped at home, more time is spent actually selling and manufacturers are increasingly looking towards outcome-based reimbursement schemes to generate revenue. I'll also cap off this week with a much needed catch up of our execs on the move feature. Well, thanks for that. So those infographic stories are a very handy way to quickly understand these markets. So I recommend that everybody check those out. So also this week, I'm working on a couple of stories that get into some details about some new cardiac devices. So at the European Society of Cardiology Congress, there was new data from the Guide HF trial, which seems to be showing that Abbott's CardioMEMS HF pulmonary pressure monitor can help mild heart failure patients avoid the hospital. And the company expects the FDA will expand the approved indication for that system to include these earlier stage heart failure patients. But not everybody is convinced that the trial really proved that because it didn't hit its primary endpoint and it only seemed to show a difference when they did this COVID-19 adjustment. We have to see how that all plays out. Also, the results of the IDE trial for Abbott's amulet left atrial appendage closure device turned out about as well for the company and the device as most people expected. It was approved last week by the FDA, so that wasn't a shock. But I'm going to look into that along with a few other highlights from the cardio space over the last two months. We'll just round those up. 
course, there's always going to be a lot going on in the regulatory and legal front around the world. And we have extensive coverage of that news, both from the United States and Europe and other countries. The archive of Device Week and the rest of Informa Pharma Intelligence's podcasts are available on the Informa Pharma Intelligence channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify Podcasts. And if you have a smart speaker, you can set one of these platforms as your default and find it that way. You can also see us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. I'm at MedTech Read with two E's. Marion is at MedTech Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N. Like we mentioned before, you can follow her to see what's going on at AOS this week. And Barnaby is at MedTech Barney. Thanks and have a good week.